which means it's time for more foliage-based fabulosity with me, Jane Perone, and On The Ledge podcast. In this week's show, we're talking about houseplants and mental health with Amy March of Perky Plants, and we're hearing from listener Anna Christina from Colombia. Plus, I answer a question about a fern that's gone manky. Yes, technical term there. Just a reminder, there are two more episodes, including this one, until my summer break. No show between July the 30th, 2021 and September the 3rd, 2021. What will you do without me? God knows. And what am I going to be doing? Well, I'm going to be writing my book, Legends of the Leaf, which is coming along very nicely. And I've managed to speak to several listeners who signed up for the houseplant consultation pledge reward level on the book, which has been great. But there are two people I haven't heard back from. So if you are Jennifer from Oregon or Gina from Birmingham, I've sent you two emails. Please get in touch uh, so we can set up your houseplant consultation. Thank you to those who've become new patrons in the last week or so. Kimberly, Raymond, Megu and James all became legends and they're helping to keep On The Ledge on the go. Thank you also to Sally in the Garden from the US, Riddler96 from the UK, Underbart Roligt from Sweden and CDINBC from Canada who all left delightfully gorgeously wonderful reviews for On The Ledge podcast on their pod app of choice, which is probably Apple Podcasts, but other pod apps are available. I'm a Stitcher user myself and a bit of Spotify too. These reviews not only make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, they also convince other people that this is a high quality podcast and none of your dreck here. And that is a wonderful thing. So thank you to all of you. If you are a member of the human race, then this past 18 months or so has been a little bit stressful. And for many of us, houseplants have been a fantastic refuge in that time. And we're always hearing about how fantastic houseplants are for our health. And this is something I've covered in On The Ledge podcast in various guises over the last 190-ish episodes. But... What happens when your desire for new houseplants starts to eat away at your household budget or starts to challenge your relationship with your loved ones? This is an issue that we all should be addressing. And that's what this week's episode is about. Amy March of Perky Plants runs an Instagram account that really delves into these issues in a way that is approachable and fantastically relevant for so many of us. Amy runs her own plant shop called Perky Plants and you can find her on Instagram at perky.plants. And in this chat we cover everything from how to budget for new plants to what to do when depression means you just can't look after your plants anymore. And Amy's got loads of tips 
for how to deal with that houseplant overwhelm that we all feel from time to time. Hi Jane, my name's Amy. I am a mental health nurse and a really big plant fan. I've got a nice collection of plants and I'm really, I'm just really passionate about plants, the plant community and the impact it has on mental health from like my mental health nursing background perspective. Tell me a bit first of all about your background as a mental health nurse and how that's kind of informed your plant collecting. Okay, so I've been qualified nearly two years now. So I qualified in 2019 um, and it was probably in my second year at uni when like my personal plant collection kind of blew up <laughs> I kind of went from I don't know maybe maybe like 10 and probably slightly more than the average just human being having plants in the house to I think we went up to like 100 within a couple of months it really <laughs> it just my collection just blew up and I think part of that for me was I was really stressed with uni and plants plants were just like this stable thing that were just really reliable that were there and they brought me so much joy and having like being able to go out and buy plants when I probably should have been writing essays like that was just what I preferred to do and um they yeah they they made me feel really good in that moment and I think it probably it was I guess going into the year three of uni, so kind of it was the summer period between year two and year three, but that kind of my plant collection skyrocketed. And then kind of halfway through year three, maybe I was a bit like, I can't do this. (laughs) This is too many plants. Um, And I started thinning out my collection and kind of giving some to friends and some of them had perished. So they had to go because I just didn't have the time to care for them. And I think I went through that kind of phase of collecting everything I possibly could to, I need to get rid of some, this is way too much. And at the end of uni, I think was when I started finding out about, you know, the rarer plants, the harder to get ones. And that kind of sparked my passion again. But I was also in a really good place where I knew how many I could care for, like realistically. And I was quite content with my collection and... I guess I'm still in that place now. I'm still in a really content place. There are plants I want and I can't afford them right now. So I'm budgeting and I'm saving up for them. And, you know, one day I'll own them, but I am, I'm quite content with where I'm at. Well, that is a good place to be. And I think so many listeners will recognise the journey that you've been on in the last few years. There is a massive positive to collecting plants as anyone who's listened to this show will be aware of let's just have a look at that really positive side first of all the wonderful is it in is it an endorphin rush that's what I always think of it as when we see beautiful plants and we have the thrill of I don't know seeing a a plant that we've wanted that's on our wish list it gives us a good feeling what what's that all about I'm not a neuroscientist so I don't know all of the all of the correct terms but I know we get like a a dopamine rush and that's that kind of it's not quite like a feel-good chemical which it often does 
get referred to as but it's it's kind of um I don't know like oh yeah that was good let's do that again which is kind of where that like oh I bought this plant I really really loved it it's still alive I'm going to go and do that again with another plant and that kind of builds up the the desire to get more and I suppose with plants there's the element of um like caring for them there's that urge that we get and that's kind of a chemical um reaction to um, oxytocin I think and yeah so you get that urge to care for this thing that you've brought into your home because if you don't care for it it's not it's highly unlikely that it's going to survive in your home and it kind of you get that nurturing sense and then you know then a new leaf comes or it blooms and then you get that dopamine rush and it's like yes I did that I want to do it again with a different plant there is a lot to be said for that I know that that is something that really helps me and I was talking recently on Facebook I think it was or possibly Instagram about how when I was in isolation when um, a family member had COVID and I was stuck at home I would literally go out to my greenhouse to ungrump myself because I was just so grumpy and I was like the only thing that's going to work is just spending some time with these plants that's the only thing that's going to get me out of this foul mood that I'm in my family were like go mother go get out of here till you're better um it is an amazing thing and it's I'm sure when a lot of us were at home that was something that was keeping us all going but I what I love about your Instagram presence is that you're quite honest about the potential negative side of plants and you know I think this is something we all need to explore. I, yesterday I had a plant. I mean, I, I've been through this feeling of having too many plants like you. I had a tenanthi, which just, it's just been causing me anger because it's covered in spider mites. And I just, I put most of it in the compost. I've left a couple of stems of rhizomes, which I've cut all the leaves off. I'm just going to regrow it and give that away to somebody. I'm like, I do not need you in my life <laughs> with your with your needy uh, spider mite self. So yeah, I, but I and it felt really good. So that can bring good feelings as well, getting rid of plants that we don't like. I have a lot of conversations with kind of newer plant parents where they're like, this plant is really struggling. Like They, they can't figure it out. And I'm just like, let it go. <laughs> Just because you've bought it into your home doesn't mean you have to keep it. Like if it's not the right fit, let let it go. Someone else will love it and figure it out. Like and just having that, having having that freedom, I think people really need to be aware that actually letting go can feel just as good as saving a plant. <laughs> I think there is a lot of pressure exerted by things like Instagram where you see somebody else and they've got, you know, 50 calatheas all looking amazing. And you're like, well, I'm, I've got to have that as well. Well, maybe you don't have the right conditions. Maybe you don't have the time. Mm -hmm. Maybe your house is not light enough or humid enough. There's so many factors that means that that person can grow one plant well. When you're looking through Instagram, do you have a kind of script that you're telling yourself when you suddenly see something that you desire or how do you manage those Instagram expectations? Oh, that's a really good question. I don't actually know. I think experience has just crept in. <laughs> and I'm kind you know, I'll scroll through and people have beautiful collections and I just know that their environment is so completely different to mine that it's highly unlikely that I could have the same collection to the standard that they have and I think I have just kind of accepted that I 
do think that takes time because it definitely wasn't always like that. Um, I do remember the kind of just the utter disappointment of us seeing these beautiful plants, buying them, having them in my home, and then just kind of watching them perish. And it's it can be really gut wrenching, and you feel like a massive failure. And like, why, why can why can't I do this? But I, I, I guess, yeah, it's just come with experience that I, I know who I am as a person. I'm a I'm a massive underwaterer. I've realised that too. And there's lot, and I know we were always saying, oh, most plants are killed by by too much water, but not in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not in my house either. Um, so I I know that I cannot bring in really thirsty, demanding plants unless they're going to be in in a spot in my home that's like I walk past every single day. I look at them every single day, and I will know when they're thirsty. I cannot have thirsty plants in my home I, they will die they will and I think positioning of plants is is also really crucial obviously you've got to pay a lot of attention to light knees and so on but I think also a lot of the things that I see on Instagram in terms of like hanging plants and plant displays I'm thinking to myself I just know that I would never find the time and inclination to get that hanging plant down off that 20 foot high thing to water it every few days I just I that's that for me would be not going to happen yeah no if it like plants I've kind of I've got into a nice routine with my plants I kind of you know I check on them I check on different ones kind of not I'm not like I've not set up this kind of routine like I'm going to check on this plant at this time but it just kind of happens in the morning I kind of I check on the bigger plants see if anything exciting is going on and then in the evenings I tend to go in like potter around with the smaller plants and check on them. I also think that there's a tipping point with a plant's health in that the the more miserable a plant is looking, and in that sense, the more it needs care, the less I want to deal with it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it's really bad because it means that things that sort of suddenly go really wrong, I can't quite face the trauma, like my gorgeous string of pearls, which I think probably people have seen on my Instagram before, which was like almost two meters long, um, suffered root, root rot over the winter. No. And I didn't realize, and I kept watering it. I mean, I don't water, normally don't water it at all. And for some reason, my brain was stuck on the idea that it was wrinkling because it needed more water, not because it was root rot. And But it was it was awful. And it took me such a long time to get round to trying to save it because I was just so like, oh, no, I can't I can't deal with it. So I sympathize (laughs) with that position. I I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, it it was looking wrinkly, so it needed more water, but the roots were right. But actually it did. Mm. It did need more water. It just yeah, the exactly. The the, the silver lining of that though is that I thought I could save the main plant. I clearly couldn't. It actually. Now look at it. I took some cuttings and I literally just chucked one on the top of a uh, Swiss cheese plant pot, <laughs> and it was there for weeks. And it just rooted into the soil. And that's my new plant. The basis of my new plant is that totally neglected cutting so lovely things can happen I think it 
Yeah, but it's it. I can the feeling of that feeling when you just look around and you think that needs repotting, that needs repotting, that needs treating for a pest. It can be really, really overwhelming. What are your warning signs that you look for when you're becoming overwhelmed? It's the putting off, isn't it? It's looking around, knowing that these plants need something from you and you just can't bear it. Like normally, I love repotting plants, but I know when I'm kind of just in that place where I'm starting to put it off that's when I know that I'm starting to get overwhelmed personally. And if I know that there's something wrong with a plant and I just cannot figure it out, that that's when I kind of, you know, put, I just, I do, I neglect them further and I put them out on the balcony <laughs> and I just, I just expect them to die. I just, I'm out of sight. <laughs> I can't look at you anymore. So you can go, but having said that, <laughs> I put an allocation of Sabrina out on the balcony God, months ago now because it was just absolutely spread eagle I couldn't get it to stand up straight it was it was driving me insane taking up so much space and put it outside all of those leaves have died off but there's new growth so you know I'm just it's living its best life out on the balcony now but <laughs> I don't know what happened sometimes it works sometimes that does help doesn't it when you realize that and and what's the next step when you've get got to that point how do you get yourself out of that plant depression yeah that's literally what it is isn't it for me I always end up being in a bit of a battle between do you know what I can't look after my plants if I'm not looking after myself you know I need to come first but when you kind of when you've done that bit when you've looked after yourself and you've got a bit more energy and you've got a bit more brain space to hold all of the different plants needs in mind that's when I'll kind of go around and I'll look at every plant and I'll kind of write down what they need. So I know at the moment in my phone, I have a list of all the plants that need to be repotted. All of the ones that are kind of like, they need to be a bit chopped up, kind of propagated because they're not looking that nice because they've been neglected for a long time. And if I don't do something to make them look nice, they're not going to make it because like you said, sometimes when a plant's just a bit too needy and it's not looking that great, you don't want to pay it any more attention. So I kind of, I've got that list on my phone and I will set some time aside during a day where I just, I'll, I'll tackle one task. So maybe it'd be like repotting my Hoyas or propagating this one, or, or I'll, I'll, I'll break it down and take it step by step and not try and do it all at once. That's a really good tip. Cause I think oftentimes I sort of think to myself, Ooh, I've, you know, I've got all morning. I'm just going to do everything. <laughs> And then you get halfway through it and there's soil everywhere. And you're, you're, you're about, you're not actually halfway through it. You're probably a quarter of the way through it. And you just sort of go, oh, and it becomes overwhel yeah. overwhelming. Whereas I think if you can just say, okay, well, I'm going to repot one plant today, one plant tomorrow. I'm just going to set my goal, whatever it may be, however many I can realistically manage in a week or whatever, then you slowly feel like you're getting it back, I think. Yeah. Slowly, but surely. <laughs> After the break, I'll be talking to Amy about dealing with your houseplants when you're feeling depressed. And we'll hear from listener Anna Christina from Colombia. This episode is supported by Bergwachter, the experts on security products in your home. Whether you're looking for a quality padlock or a high-tech alarm system, Bergwachter keeps you and your family safe. Many of us got the gardening bug during lockdown, 
If your garden's now filled with tools, equipment and furniture, it's time to think about making sure you're not a target for thieves. Keep garden tables and chairs, barbecues and bikes secure with Bergwachter's range of locking cables, security chains and wall or ground mounted anchors. And protect your shed or garage by investing in a quality padlock or combination locking bolt. Check out Bergwachter's full range at berg.biz forward slash UK. That's B-U-R-G dot biz forward slash UK. Bergwachter always the safe choice. Now, I hear a lot of people on social media saying, I'm on a plant ban mm. this month, mm-hmm. or, you know, their other half has imposed a plant ban. That's another whole um, yeah. discussion. Does that work, that strategy of saying, right, not buying any plants till this date? I really think it depends on who you are as a person and your thinking style. So I think... If you're one of those people that has quite an all or nothing style of thinking, a plant ban is probably going to work quite well for you because it's very all or nothing, isn't it? Nope, I'm I'm banned. I'm not bringing any plants into my home for this month or whatever. I I know that wouldn't work for me personally. (laughs) It would make getting plants more desirable and that kind of feeling of needing to have something new would be more intense if I put myself on a plant ban. I know I just know it wouldn't work. If you know a plant ban is not going to work for you or if you've tried it before and it's, it just failed, there, there's other ways you can kind of do it. I guess you could say I'm not going to spend more than this much money on a plant this month. And if I want a certain plant, maybe I can trade for it or like, yeah, do like swap some cuttings or maybe you could do like a partial kind of a bit of money, a bit of a trade. There's other ways around it. I think... Plant bans can work for some people, but uh, I'm not one of them. Rather than a plant ban, I would sort of put myself in a plant audit situation Mm. where maybe if I'm going to get a new plant, then another one has to go. (laughs) Like there's some kind of... (laughs) Yeah, something like that. And just a reflection of like, okay, how many things am I trying to propagate right now? When people say, oh, my boyfriend's put me on a plant ban... I don't know what to make of that. I can see both sides of it. And not knowing the story and the couple, it's very difficult to say. But if my husband ever tried to put me on a plant ban, I think he would know (laughs) that was completely futile. But I guess at the same time, if sometimes it can be a caring partner who's looking at you and saying, this is making you really unhappy. You are in an unhealthy practice here and maybe actually trying to help that person so it may not always be a negative thing but I do worry about things being imposed by somebody other than the house plant grower I do agree I guess we we, we don't know couples do we I know my partner you know only in the early days he's like right you've brought another plant in so who's going like you you we've got too many and actually it did kind of come down to a conversation of the plants are taking over. Our home's not very functionable right now. And that's having been able to have those honest discussions because plants shouldn't impact the way your home functions. Like that they shouldn't make it not livable. <laughs> like you've got plants all over the dining table and they're all over the kitchen counter. And yeah, of course I put plants on the kitchen counter when I'm watering them and stuff, but it's when there's literally nowhere else for them to go and 
they're really impacting your life I think that's having those caring like caring partners that are able to say actually look this isn't okay <laughs> we need to talk about this then yeah I yeah baby plant bands are okay in that sense I mean, and it's all about, I mean, like anything with any relationship, it's about communication, isn't it? It's not about saying, I forbid you from buying another plant. As you say, it's sitting down, having an honest conversation about how this shared space, which you both live Mm -hmm. in, works and how plants fit into that and how your, you know, your mental health is being affected, your budget is being affected by by the the way that your um, hobby is going. But it's a really tricky one. And as I say, I think it depends on the individual. But yeah, it's all about communication, isn't it, as ever, which is not the easiest thing. I am not the world's greatest communicator. I'm free, free to advise that. We might find really calming to have in a bedroom, like, you know, a jungle <laughs> could be really stressful and chaotic for somebody else. I mean, I did have to cut back my big, really big Swiss cheese plant because it, there were two massive leaves blocking the TV and the other three members of the household weren't very happy that they could only see the TV from one end of the sofa, so <laughs> which is where the dog's normally sitting. So yeah, every, everyone has to kind of muck in and, and <laughs> be reasonable. What about budgeting for plants? I think this is something that some people really struggle with. Yeah. Do you set aside a certain amount of money, disposable income that you can spend? How do you do that? Um, and to be honest, this is something I'm just kind of starting to do myself. Um, before now, it was kind of, you know, pay all the bills, get all of the necessities that, you know, money needs to go on. And then whatever was left, I was like, right, that's my plant money. <laughs> but um, I'm doing that less now. And I'm actually trying to have like a set amount of money that I can spend each month. And if I don't spend that, it can go into like, you know, a little separate you know account where I can build up my plant money so if there's like a really expensive plant that I want it might take a couple of months I'm worried that some people are going into debt to buy plants or their finances are struggling to buy plants and yeah I think budgeting is something that we need to be more vocal about in the community and just more honest about in our conversations because that's when you know that kind of I guess the shame and secrecy around (laughs) buying plants, even though, you know, you haven't got the money for them, but you can't kind of stop. That's when things start to really get out of hand. So the more that we can talk about, actually, you know, I really wanted this, but I can't buy it because I haven't got the budget for it. I think we need to normalize that in the plant community. Exactly. And I think um, that is a, that's all really good advice about, you know, putting the money aside and making it a, a nice thing that you can, as you say, you can save up for something special. I guess just writing it down is really helpful. I mean, I think it's very easy in this world of kind of everything being virtual and virtual payments to not actually realise how much you're spending every month on plants. And if you've actually making a list, yes. being honest with yourself. Exactly. And it's not just the plants, is it? It's the pots, it's the substrates, it's you know, the grow lights, the humidifiers, it's everything that goes into this hobby because a lot of people are to that kind of level of, you know, adding in extra light and, you know, fans and humidifiers and, and grow tents. People are having such massive collections that, you know, it it all comes down to money in the plant budget. And 
when you write it down, it can be it can be quite stark, can't it? How much you've actually spent on plants and all the other stuff that come up with them each month. That's where also people can fall into this trap of seeing plants as, I mean, they are a commodity, don't get me wrong. But if you've got a collection, then, you know, you see people having to sell off plants because they can't, mm-hmm. because they've got some. And I, I that worries me as well, because then you're in a situation of it's something that you causes further stress into you're trying to sort of balance the books somehow um which is again it 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 gets scary and perhaps you're valuing plants not on how much you're getting out of them but on what you can get for them which yeah again obviously lots of people make run businesses around their plants and that's absolutely fine but it just does worry me that some people I think are buying a plant because they're thinking to themselves, oh, I can always sell this and make more money out of it. Of course, at some point, the bottom might fall out of this market it's quite suddenly. I'm, you know, I think there will be a moment where yeah. we're suddenly plants are coming down in price and that plant that you were going to sell is not worth 200 pounds anymore. It's worth 20 pounds. It, it can change really quickly, can't it, to what's kind of not available suddenly a month down the line all all the plant shops have it and you know I guess I also have like a a shop an online plant shop that's it's really small and it's kind of you know me and my partner run it but we also work and it's kind of just a side thing but you know we've we've experienced that where we've kind of got plants in and they cost us this much to get in but actually all of a sudden everywhere has them and we're like okay (laughs) I'm not going to be but you know we're just going to get our money back on those like we're not going to be making a profit which for from a business point of view you can't really run a business like that can you um but it does it happens so so quickly so quickly and I yeah it is it's worrying it is worrying I mean I see a lot of people starting their little plant businesses which is fantastic and lots of people have done amazing set up amazing businesses but I also sometimes worry it's a bit like the people who say oh I really like cooking I'm going to set up a cafe without without realizing quite how much hard work and investment is involved in buying and selling plants sometimes I wonder whether people are almost just this is their justification so they can buy loads more plants so that they're, they're going to sell them on and then do that. That would be me. I'd be like, I ha- I must have all these rare Hoyas for my shop. And then I'm like, I'm keeping all the rare Hoyas. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I have, well, I've not done just that, but, but, you know, there are plants that come in for the business and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I want that. Yeah, I would be that would I would be terrible. I would have a plant shop and be like, I'd be like, no, you can't have that plant. Sorry, <laughs> it's not for sale anymore. <laughs> I mean, I find this when I'm in a garden centre or something. If I see someone buying a plant that's really difficult, I'm kind of itching to go. Don't buy that. You don't know what you're doing. A Venus flytrap isn't for you. This is why I'm never going to open a plant shop. <laughs> so we've talked about some of the things you can do if you do get to that place of problematic place i mean depression is obviously something that lots of people suffer if you get into a, a state of depression as opposed to just feeling a bit feeling a bit uh, what's the word feeling a bit negative about your plants and you are actually depressed that has its very own set of challenges from just the, the feeling that it's all overwhelming and you and you can't cope any advice for anyone who's suffering from depression but also has a houseplant collection? 
Well, I guess if it's really, really bad and you're really struggling to look after yourself and your own kind of, you know, getting up and showering or cleaning your teeth or brushing your hair or, you know, eating or maybe you're eating more. And, you know, if you're struggling with just kind of looking after yourself in a healthy way and completely not focused on your plants, I it's really hard because what I would be inclined to say is, you know, maybe ask for some help with your plants, but that's that's really hard to do when you're in that place. Mm. Actually asking for help, that can be a challenge within itself. It's very easy for somebody who isn't suffering from depression to say, well, ask for help with your plants. That's the answer, clearly. But when you're depressed, that in itself is a massive thing that you might not be able to cope with. I mean, I have seen people on on Facebook groups asking for help in terms of um, asking for people to to rehome some plants. And I think that's great, but it's not the easiest thing to do when you're in that state. Yeah, no, definitely not. And, you know, that comes with its own challenges, doesn't it? I mean, one, you're kind of posting out, you know, on a Facebook group, you know, I, I'm in a bad place. Does anybody want to kind of adopt these plants? But you also have to then get those plants to that person. And actually it, Probably it's just easier to let the plant pass and you know die. Just it and kind of facing that after when you kind of come out of that period of time, whether that's a week, a month, a few months, maybe it's a year. Like kind of just accepting that it happened and that actually you did what you needed to do to get through for yourself. And plant collections can be replaced, even the most difficult to obtain plants you know they can be replaced you cannot like you absolutely must look after yourself first yeah okay a plant's died it's sad but it's compost now Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's you're it's i think that's a really really powerful message some people might actually find it easier to look after their plants than to look after themselves it like kind of when you're in that space you might end up finding that actually your plants are the only thing that get you through. I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of thinking of all the different ways that depression presents for people and being able to focus on something else that's so not judgmental. Like if, you know, your plants don't care if you are wearing the same clothes for a week and not wash your hair or, or brush your teeth or anything. They they just, you know, they might just want to drink. And actually it's easier to look after a plant. They yeah, they don't, they don't judge. They're they can be fairly simple in, you know, knowing what they need. And sometimes that's just easier. That's the easier option when you're in that place to look after something else than, than yourself. And then that kind of leads on to being able to look after yourself. But it can be really complicated. I think plants are amazing for our mental health, but they can they can also be really difficult and stressful when we're in difficult places. And it's just finding the balance and being honest with yourself, I think, yeah, having that honesty and just being like, I can't do it with the plants right now, just kind of put them all in the corner and leave them to fend for themselves for a bit. Or, you know, just just focusing on your plants. Maybe that is what you need. Um, everyone's really different. Really. I think that's a really good note to end on, Amy. And thank you very much for joining me and for sharing some of your planty life. That's OK. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Amy and do check out the show notes for details of her website with her plant shop and her Instagram. 
And I'll also link to the houseplant hoarding episode that I did a while back in case you want to listen back to that episode to find out more from a hoarding expert about the signs to watch for if you are developing a hoarding issue with your plants. Patreon subscribers will be able to listen to an extra interview with Amy and I talking about houseplants and social media communities that'll be coming out in the next few days. I'd love to hear from you about the ways that you manage your houseplant collection in tandem with your own mental health. So do drop me a line. As ever, the address is on the ledge podcast at gmail.com and do indicate on that email if you're happy for me to read out your contribution on the show or if it's something just between you and me, which is fine either way. It's time for Meet the Listener. Let's head to Colombia. Hey Jane, my name is Ana Cristina and I come from Medellin, Colombia. I come from a place with a great variety of plants and all kinds of wildlife like insects and mammals and of course a great variety of plants as well. In fact, did you know that there are more birds, amphibians and butterfly species per square meter in Colombia than anywhere else in the world? In Medellin, the city I'm from, we don't really have seasons and the weather stays nice and warm throughout the year. I have around 50 to 60 plants, but I was quite taken by your episode on plant hoarding. I set myself the goal on really curating my collection to make sure I'm not spreading myself too thin when having to take care of all of them. When did you get into houseplants and why? I grew up surrounded by plants one way or the other because of the weather in Medellin which is nearly perfect to keep plants. But really 2020 has given me the extra time I needed to really dive into the hobby. It is also a nice way for me to connect with my dad and to remember my grandma, who was also a terrific gardener herself. What's the latest addition to your houseplant collection? The latest addition to my collection will be uh, Hoya Corniana Silver, a beautiful small leaf Hoya that's happily living on my windowsill and I hope one day will bloom. Complete the sentence, I love my houseplants because... I love my houseplants because they teach me a new thing every day, regardless of how many books I can read, how many videos I can watch, or articles I find, I never stop learning something new and fascinating about them. Who is your houseplant hero? I would say Amanda from Plantarina, she's a YouTuber from the US. And it's because she made me feel that I was capable of taking care of any plant and that if I didn't succeed, it would be okay. She taught me not to be afraid of bugs, not to be afraid of plants in general, and that if mistakes happen, it's okay. I find that sometimes in the plant community, there could be people that can pull you down, especially in the beginning. But there is also wonderful people like her or like you that make you feel that you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. So I feel forever thankful for everybody that shares their knowledge. Name your plantagonist, the plant you simply cannot get along with. I say Alocasia Friday for sure. After careful consideration, I got my hands on a very tiny one. I was hoping I could make it thrive and really grow fast, but it didn't matter what I did. It would shed leaf after leaf. And um, yeah, the best humidity, very bright and direct light. I kept it warm, I gave it all my love, and nevertheless, it still died. So even though it's still a very beautiful plant, I will absolutely stay away from it. Although I have had luck with a lot of other alocasias, but that one is just not for me. Thank you to Anna Christina, and you can put yourself forward for Meet the Listener, which will be back 
when I'm back from my break, just drop a line to ontheledgepodcast.gmail.com and my assistant Kelly will be in touch with the instructions. Now it's time for question of the week and I'm heading out to a blazing hot potting shed to answer this question from Erin. It is a gorgeous sunny day here at On The Ledge Towers and I'm heading out to the shed to answer Erin's question about her failing stag's horn fern. Um, Sorry, my gate's a bit uh, broken at the minute. On the job to replace this winter. So, Erin uh, and her stag's horn fern. I've just got the message here on my phone. I'm actually going to go inside the shed because it's too hot. It's absolutely baking, and all my just leaning over the stable door that I've got here on my shed, and the cacti and succulents are loving the wonderful heat. So let's have a look. Erin's question refers to what she describes as a stag's horn fern. Now I looked at the pictures and immediately realised that there was an issue. And this is why plant IDs are really important because Erin had misidentified her stag's horn fern. It's actually an Asplenium nidus, probably the cristate form known as Chrissy. And really, they have quite different care needs. So that will be affecting how Erin looks after her plant. So what's going wrong with this fern, as we've just established, Asplenium nidus? Well, it has had scale. Oh, there's a big bumblebee in here. Hang on a minute. It's had scale. Bumble, I need to help you. Will you let me help you out of here? Oh, I need my feather duster, which is usually the thing I use to get bumbles out of here. Where's he gone? Okay, hang on. I think I can... Oh. Okay, I don't want this to turn into an episode where I just chase bumblebees around, but I'm also very aware that this gorgeous, huge bumblebee needs some help. Come on, guy. Or lady, I should say. Because you are most probably a lady. Come here. I'm helping you. There you go. Oh man. Sorry. Right, I'm gonna get the second thing I use to help them is a very soft brush of dustpan and brush, which I can usually hook them onto. There you go, look. Come on. Oh man, this one's determined to stay in here. Look, you're going to die if you stay in here, matey. Let me help you. Yes, go, go, go. Yes, okay, it's out. Right, now that drama is over, back to Erin's plant. Oh, now the now the uh, brush has fallen because the tie's fallen off it. Um, Erin's plant, yes. So, apologies for that. I have to save bumblebees because otherwise I will not earn my place in planty heaven. So, the scale infestation of a few months back was treated with isopropyl alcohol wipe-downs and neem oil monitored and repotted in an airy mix of small bark, pumice and charcoal when the infestation seemed to have passed. Scale does seem to really like ferns, not sure why. There was a flush of new growth, but it's all been wonky. Now, Erin says, I embrace planty oddness, but it seems to deviate from the growth pattern I've seen on the in the past so I just want to make sure it's not a sign of something gone wrong lately some of the frond tips have turned translucent and wrinkly some have developed dunk- sunken 
darkly rimmed spots. So first things first, yes, you sometimes do get weird growth once you've had a pest infestation. And this can be because the insects have been sucking the sap of the plant. They can introduce viruses, but they can also just damage the plant as it grows and that can cause distortion. Hopefully that won't last long term. Obviously with a bird's nest fern where it's a rosette shape, and the leaves are kind of coming outwards it's not really something where you can cut that growth off without fundamentally affecting the look of the plant so that's just something you may have to live with in terms of the plant that we're talking about though this cristate form is cristate that means it does put out somewhat odd looking leaves they're not just a nice long shape they have these Cristate, I don't know another word for it, cristate ends. Um, so it may just be that the plant is just living its best life putting out that those cristate leaves. That said, the problem with the spots and the translucent bits is much more worrying. So uh, on this front, ooh, there's a bit of a blackbird row going on over here. Um, on this front, I would say you need to think about the watering of the plant i find that most of these ferns such as the bird's nest fern they like high air humidity but they also really like steady moisture around the roots i would highly recommend putting this into a self-watering pot erin because i think they just thrive that way and if you do that generally the problem with air humidity is reduced because the plant isn't being stressed at the roots and it can cope with drier air so i put this into a self-watering pot and except that you're going to have some possibly wonky growth for a bit but it should straighten itself out once it's happier looking at the two forms of trouble that you've got on the leaves i think some of it could be down to too much sun and they've been in a west facing window it's possible they've just had a bit too much light they've got slightly sunburnt as light levels rise in the spring plants can suffer from sunburn the brown spot areas again that could be to do with the moisture levels around the roots it may be that there's an issue there i would put it in a self-watering pot and see what happens once the plant has allowed itself time to grow past this scale issue and do keep an eye out for the scale because they often come back in my experience. So that would be my top tips. They're epiphytes, these bird's nest ferns, so they don't need a huge root ball, but what they do need is steady moisture. And I've talked many times before on the show about my wick watering technique, which is what I would use for this. Really, really simple. A couple of nylon cords through the bottom of the pot and into a reservoir below that you top up. And I usually fill that with expanded clay pebbles makes it nice and lightweight and doesn't end up with a really super heavy pot i hope that helps erin and um, i'm just going to sit here and enjoy my marjoram which is absolutely alive with bees right now it's it's a bee heaven no wonder i've had bees in the shed because i've got what have i got here i don't know if you can hear these bees i've got bumbles i've got honeybees i've got solitary bees i've got little tiny flies of some kind not quite sure exactly 
what kind of fly that is and I've also got hoverflies and they're all, can you hear that? They're all loving this marjoram. It is just wonderful to watch them. So yeah, great pollinator environment here on this sunny day. And let's say thank you to the bees. On the lawn last night I found while I was picking up dog poo, <laughs> I found a wonderfully coloured elephant hawk moth in a sort of olive green and pink combination. Or maybe I'll put a picture in the show notes or you can see it on my Instagram. It was the most gorgeous moth. And these moths are really important pollinators too. So that's why we try to encourage night blooming plants that can benefit moths as well but this marjoram is being thoroughly enjoyed by these bees. I could sit here all day, but I've got to go and finish the podcast, so let's head back to the studio. is all for this week's show i hope you enjoyed it see you next week for sob the final episode before my break have a great week bye you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll from the Joy Drops, The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Young by Komiku, and Namaste by Jason Shaw. And the ad music was Whistling Rufus by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details. <laughs>